Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lockdown Guardians podcast. What do we have to discuss today? The Guardians made an addition. <laughs> one we've all been waiting for. One we have been waiting with bated breath for. The return of Brian Shaw. We'll get into that. We will get into a few other things in terms of continuing to look at what trade market could exist for various players, talking about uh, teams that need help that can match up with the Guardians, and so much more as always. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's not bury the lead. Brian Shaw is back. Um, my joke on Twitter earlier today. Uh, first, I want to say thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. Remind you to download the daily rate and review and also subscribe to the YouTubes. We are up to like four channels that have crossed 1,000 subs. It is a big thing and very helpful for anyone who can cross that. It, maybe it's five who have crossed 1,000. So even if you're like, I don't really go on YouTube, if you have a Google account, you can still subscribe. It would be helpful. Uh, and you can subscribe and turn off alerts, and it still helps me just as much. So there is that. But yeah, let's get into it. Brian Shaw is back. Uh, the joke on Twitter for me was I wondered how long Tito threatened to hold his breath for until uh, the front office agreed to return his favorite toy. Because this definitely is them throwing him a bone. We know he loves Shaw. He leaned on Shaw. And Shaw was great to start the year. And then, I mean, he fell off. Uh, in the middle of the year, you know, he really fell off and was like borderline unpitchable. Uh, and then he kind of settled back into being an okay arm. Look at the relief market and realize that if he actually had anything left, if there was any data to support him having been anything other than lucky last year to a strong degree, um, he would have got a guaranteed contract. Go look at his data over on Baseball Savant. The only things that aren't like, blue uh they didn't barrel barrel percentage he didn't get hit hard they didn't make clean hits his fastball spin was high but chase rate was like average-ish so fastball spins 84th percentile barrel percentage 59th hard hit 53 but another than that it's like i mean his walk rate was for him really poor he didn't he started out the year missing a lot of bats and then that went away as the year went on uh he certainly seemed spent and I'm, I'm not opposed to bringing him back. Uh, he's going to be overused again. He's going to be overexposed again. He's going to be someone that Tito is going to run out there all the time. And I see this as the biggest Brian Shaw defender from back in his peak. In his peak with the first his first run with the Guardians, essentially, he was you know one of the best relievers of my lifetime. He was just such a consistent rubber-armed guy, and he got a bad reputation. But I felt like it was never fair. It was one of those things like the same... Carlos Santana tended to get run down a little bit more than he should have ever gotten run down in his time in Cleveland. There's just some guys that, for whatever reason, uh, seem to take more of it. Uh, now, you're going to see nonstop cutter action from him this year. The other question now becomes, who do you remove from the 40-man? You know, If you missed it, Cody Morris is going to miss the next four to six weeks because he had tightness that came back, and it's only a strain. We'll see. Um Remember when, like, Shane Bieber was only going to be four to six or six to eight? And I'm like, 
uh, you know, it, it's too much of my time following college baseball. We're like, this guy hurt his knee. Oh, he needs Tommy John surgery. We're like, the college baseball, the injury reports are just f- uh, complete fabrications half the time. I, I just get nervous about any forearm tightness. Uh, we see this where it's like four to six weeks, and then, you know, within a calendar year needing surgery, Morris has had problems with health. It's part of the reason that I wonder about just moving him into a relief role with his pitch mix. He could be deadly in that role um, because of, I don't know if he's going to hold up as a starter. That is my biggest, if you don't have Cody Morris in your top 10 prospects in the Guardian system, I I think it's due to health and concerns if he can start long term, just in terms of his body. Uh, But saying this, you can't put him on the 60 day. I mean, even if it's six weeks, that's 42 days. To get to 60 days, you're looking for someone who you're expecting them to be injured like 10 weeks. It, it's That's not there. So when Brian Shaw makes this team, what, April 7th is opening day, April 6th, around there. Um, and then, you know, it's who gets cut? And I think probably Logan Allen. Uh, I think that is the easiest player to remove. That has kind of been my longstanding view on the roster in its current incarnation. Uh, he's just... The one thing that could save him is he is a starter, and starters aren't going to be stretched out, and they might feel like they need more starters to start the year. And especially with, like, um, the 28-man roster to start the year, they might carry, you know, I don't know if there's any, I don't think there's any rules how that has to break down. I wouldn't be surprised if they carried 15 arms and carried something like seven starters and did some piggybacking with early starts. In that case, you know, Logan Allen might last, and the question becomes, you know, is it one of the infielders they would let go? Like... If Chang doesn't do enough to prove himself, would they consider releasing him? Could that happen? I mean, potentially. I, I try to think who else could be. Like I said, I, I feel like they're more likely. They have so many pitchers on the 40 man. Now, if I want to say they're more likely to release a, a hitter, but I do feel like a starting pitcher in particular is probably a little bit safer in the early going. Um, yeah, so we'll have to see. But he is going to make this roster. I guarantee that now doesn't matter what he does. He's he's always been awful in spring, so you really can't take anything he does in the spring with any grain of salt. But starting this late and everything else, this is totally Tito getting his way. They must have resisted it. Because why wasn't he there, you know, a month ago? Unless it was because he thought he was going to get a guaranteed contract and it was just waiting for him to realize, nope, that's not occurring. I'll take the non-roster invite and uh, get a little more than league minimum when I make the team. Now, in terms of... You know, the other bit of information today, I think, was that uh, Josh Naylor finally is getting into some minor league games after essentially being on, you know, the mend for nine months. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I'm, you know, I, 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 I think he has a better chance to be successful than Bobby Bradley, but I kind of put Naylor and Bradley in the same camp. Um, I, I'm not... Not expecting either of them to be on the forty man in a year. Let's put it that way. That's that's my bold statement there with those two. Um, I just don't think either of them have enough of an offensive profile to really um, excel at a position that's going to require them to. Uh, MLB.com, you know, they released their projected lineup for the Guardians on opening day. We'll get into that in segment two. Both those players are in that if you're. But you know, the just going back to kind of what I started with here, this idea that Brian Shaw has returned. It's not going to go well. It was a bit of smoke and mirrors a year ago. Like I said, the advanced data showed that he was, at the start of the year, he missed a lot of bats. 
and then that petered off and the command just was not there. And you look at something like his FIP, it was a four five three. That's not good. His war was negative for the what, the fourth year in a row? Like he wasn't even a replacement level player. He was below replacement level because the strikeout rate, which at one point was like over ten, ended the year at eight point two six. The walk rate, which for his career has typically been under as let's see, his career walk rate is three four six. It was four four two last year. He was walking a lot of guys and at his age thirty three year. Um his his velocity was up a bit. And the 3.49 ERA is just, you know, it, it's luck. You know, he, he left on base for him. He left on base almost 80% of, of hitters who reached. His career average is closer to 73. So that's, that's significant. You know, 7%, you know, a 10% overall decrease on his average. That's or 10% overall increase in effectiveness in stranding batters. That's a stat that's more indicative of luck. So it goes the other way, and all of a sudden you're looking at that ERA being closer to four and a half, and you're looking at him not getting through last year and not making this roster. And, you know, here's my essential problem. Brian Shaw is 34 with diminishing skills. It's the truth. We, I'm 40. I'm older. You know in your mid-30s that things just don't recover and bounce back like they do. Anyone who's been there knows that, and it just gets worse as you get older. Sorry to anyone who's younger who's hearing this. But everyone knows that. And if you are the Guardians and you already have a full 40-man roster and you want to be like, okay, you know, Sam Henches was awful a year ago, but he's a lefty and he's big and he's got good stuff. You want to see him get more opportunities out of the pen. Anthony Ghost is an older player as well, but he hasn't been pitching for long. You want to see him getting high leverage opportunities. You're hoping Nick Sandlin's going to bounce back and be your eighth inning guy. Nick Miklojak should by mid-year be the seventh inning reliever he is he needs to be added to the 40 man at the end of the year anyways and he is clearly by a mile the top reliever in system and in a legitimate relief prospect they don't need to give this i would be shocked if shaw is in baseball you know two years from now one year from now like you know maybe he gets one more shot next year but i don't even think he survives the year with the guardians and you know Tito's going to overuse him. He's going to run him out there like 80-plus times. That means you don't get that opportunity to see other pitchers. You don't get that opportunity to evaluate. And with this team being so set on needing to evaluate its young players, you know, they have got, what, four starters in double or triple A who are going to be on the 40-man, and then interesting ones who aren't like Joey Cantillo and Adam Scott that they got to make some hard decisions about. Like if Cantillo comes out and pitches supremely well this year, then he is a guy you have to add. I'll stand. I thought he was their number two acquisition piece, higher than Quantrell or Naylor, um, in the Clevenger deal. And then he got hurt, and they didn't get a chance to see him as much as they'd like to, but he fit their profile incredibly well. And they took a gamble on him. And that's why they you know, did not put him on the 40-man. There was a lack of reps, unlike some of the other players who they protected. And now they have him for another year. If he performs well, you have to add him. But... In a situation where you're not doing anything else to improve your team, Tito says they need veteran leadership. Like, what's the <laughs> what's the point of, like... I, it's such a weird thing. Like, the idea of veteran leadership. Has anyone ever really, like, gone to a job and, like, listened to someone? Uh, you know, <laughs> like, in real life, does that happen? I'm, You know, I always made 
friends at most places with the retirees. Um, just that's who I got along with. But it wasn't like veteran leadership. It's just like those are the people who were willing to help me out if I was confused. Like this idea of veteran leadership. Um, and it seems really slow when you got Tito Francona to begin with because that's like supposed to be his jam, right? He's supposed to be this this person who takes care of that. So I don't know. Adding Shaw, like, is it the end of the world? No. Is it a good move? No. Because, again, he is going to take valuable reps away from young players. They didn't add anything. If this was a team that legitimately had a chance to contend, maybe I'm going to adjust the camera feed here. Apologize about that. Maybe I wouldn't mind this so much. But if you're sitting there and planning to run out the table scraps and the young players, which is what they clearly are planning to do, that they're going to operate with a sub $50 million payroll, adding Brian Shaw is just silly. It's silly. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of resources. And this is just 100%. This is Terry Francona getting what he wants. This is them throwing him a bone. This is he wanted Shaw back. All the data shows Shaw is washed. I mean, there's no doubt about it. His rebound year came undone. He is a 100% washed. He has not posted a positive war since like 2017. He has been not good for years, but he is Tito's guy. He is going to end up getting the most innings and appearances out of this bullpen instead of using those as opportunities to evaluate players in that role. Like I said, if Cody Morris comes back more and more, I'm leaning towards him as a reliever, not a starter, just because I'm worried about can his body hold up to it. Sam Henches, let's see what he can do out there. When Carlos Vargas is finally healthy, roll him in. They need to start doing things like that, not giving Brian Shaw another 81 appearances. We're going to take a quick commercial break, come back and discuss what the lineup is shaping up to be, uh, according to MLB.com, and looking at some teams with some big needs that the Guardians could still match up with in terms of trade partners. Bet Online has you covered. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all sporting wagers, information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet, uh, BetOnline, where the game starts. Before we get into lineups, I do also have to discuss uh, the one big free agent acquisition. Uh, the one player guaranteed for sure to make the roster, Luke Maley. Uh, sprained, hurt, did something uh, in this in the game today. I haven't got any further updates. We'll have to see if he ends up going on the disabled list. Then guess what? Time to clear another 40-man spot. You're adding Sandy Leon until uh, to Maley's ready. They're not going to bring up Brian Lavastida, who needs reps, just to have him sit on the bench. So, uh, this forty-man situation—that again, they need to—they need to do something, start turning assets into better assets, pulling a Tampa Bay and packaging players, and either turning them into, uh, you know, three for ones, like San Diego and, and uh, more San Diego than Tampa, or do what Tampa does, where you're up against it, trade a player for a prospect who doesn't need to be on your 40-man for a few years. Trade down, essentially. Trade, maybe not even a prospect who's as good. Sometimes it's kind of a lateral move uh, that Tampa will do, but it's, you know, you go back to when Cleveland traded them, like Ruben Cartagenas, when they traded him, was it Nathan Lukes was the outfielder? Um, There's been other examples, but yeah, that's what they do. The Guardians need to do things like that now. They need to figure that out because... 
injuries happen and they're already up against it, Brian Shaw, as we talked about, is going to make this team. And that's like two more additions. How do you carve out those spots? Trades have to happen. And speaking of trades, MLB.com released a projected li- I don't like who wrote this. Is it does it ha- it doesn't have an author? <laughs> it just I guess it's from uh, a bunch of people there who worked there and just kind of worked together on this. For the Guardians, they project the lineup to be Miles Straw in center field, one, Ahmad Rosar- Ahmed Rosario shortstop, two, Jose Ramirez, third base, three, Fran Mil Reyes, four, DH, five, Josh Naylor, right field, six, Bobby Bradley, first base, seven, Oscar Mercado, left field, eight, Austin Hedges, catcher, nine, Andres Jimenez, second base. Uh, that's, that is an ugly lineup all around. Uh, if they don't run Qu- Steve Kwan out there, I mean, I know Richie Palacios has not gotten many opportunities this spring. Kwan has to be in right field. And Josh Naylor, like, he's just playing in minor league games now, and you expect him in two weeks to be ready for the year. I mean, I have to look and see if he has options, but it wouldn't take that long for me to figure out. Honestly, let's go look. But if he has options, I don't expect Naylor to start the year at the team. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense just in terms of his overall health right now that he's going to be able to just come right out and jump into big league. Yeah, he's got three minor league options left. I guarantee Naylor starts the year in AAA. It just, it makes much more sense to let him get used to playing after a nine-month absence than having, you know, two weeks. Also, I, I think Zimmer is much more likely to play than Mercado in that outfield spot, but I mean, like I said, the bigger thing for me is Quan has to be one of those outfielders. He just he has to be likely the left fielder um, for this team to start the year. But let's talk about you know I was talking in the chat. A lot of people had some strong thoughts about everything going on in this, but there were some teams that were absolutely fascinating to look at. Just the gaping holes. One of them, Los Angeles Angels. They project Andrew Velasquez to be the starting shortstop. Do you remember his short tenure with the Guardians and like his short tenure with it? Like this is a guy who has been the consistent like 38th, 39th, 40th guy on a roster. He's got the nine lives of a cat, but he's just not good enough to play in the big leagues. And they're projecting him to start. He's had 163 at bats since 2018 for four different organizations. Uh, last year with the Yankees, he had a 5.94 OPS. He's got a 5.25 OPS for his career. Uh, he doesn't hit. He doesn't walk. He doesn't have any power. The triumvirate of bad. I mean, it's one of the situations where, again, I would argue that there are pitchers who are better hitters than Andrew Velasquez. Now, you know, the dude has overcome. He's a seventh-round pick. Uh, he is constantly having to prove himself constantly gets opportunities because he can play a lot of positions well he's a good athlete and he's a switch hitter and but to project him at shortstop i know uh i think roster resources has fletcher there and then second base would be here's the long and short of it david fletcher is going to be the shorter second for los angeles and whoever plays the other position is not good the problem is when i went to try to figure out if there's any deal that would make sense with Ahmed Rosario and the Guardians to the Angels. That there isn't. Um, boy, Anaheim is a disaster show. I mean, Jared Walsh is the guy you'd want to talk about. Like he's the one I talked about a year ago at this time, right? If you listen to the show, you can remember him being like, "This is a guy to target 
Let's try to figure something out. But Walsh has too much value now. He's not someone they're going to flip. Uh, you're not getting Adele. You're not getting Marsh. Those guys are projected to start. Yeah, Matt Duffy is the other option. That's who it was. So it's like, uh, part of me is like, would you consider the Justin Upton rental if, you know, how much can, how much is the team allowed to kick back? Right? How much could they, they pass along? Like Justin Upton, even bad Justin Upton, uh, last year in his limited performance, still better than what the Guardians get. He had a uh, runs created plus in 93 and 97 games. Uh, uh, seven oh uh, seven oh nine OPS. Like, I mean, that's. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I was wrong. A seven twenty OPS last year. The seven oh nine is projected by Zips this year. Ninety two runs created plus. That's better than what they get out of the outfield. Uh, defensive value is pretty poor, but think about who they've run out there. And more importantly, like, what would Anaheim give up to get rid of that last year of Upton plus take on? Uh, plus getting Rosario. But I mean, what it essentially comes down to with this Anaheim team, it's like, yeah, they, they've got Reed Detmers, who I think is probably projecting to start for them. Um, if not, you know, it's like you got Atani, Syndergaard, Michael Lorenzen for sure. And then you got their, like, homegrown-ish or, like, young acquired talent, like Patrick Sandoval, Jose Suarez, Jimmy Berea. I think Griffin Canning had Tommy John last year. But you're assuming that Detmers and then Sam Bachman should be up at some point this year. Maybe as a reliever. But, uh, you know, this is a team that where they have spent is on the bullpen. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, if that dude could ever stay healthy, would be another one who could help them out. So their prospects, it's like after Detmers and Bachman, it just falls off a cliff. And there's really no one that could help the Guardians immediately. So while it's kind of interesting, it's just like, what would you even approach them about? I mean, Taylor Ward, your guy, the catcher converted to outfielder. Is Matt Tice somewhere still in the minors? Uh, you know, another one of those uh, Virginia high-end guys who didn't perform. I mean, Ward was good in a very, you know, 237 plate appearances last year. 111 uh, runs created plus. wonder if that was enough to get him uh, savant data. Let me go look at that. But he's not enough. Uh, even by himself, straight up for Rosario isn't enough. And I don't think Anaheim has any picks they can trade, and they don't have great prospects. It just makes them a hard match. When I tried to look up the Ward page, I just got a that page doesn't exist over at Savant. So that's fun. We did not find the player you're looking for. Did you type the link correctly? Yeah, I just went right to your own link. Um, let me do the Google search. Baseball Savant. Apparently they just like him so much that you can't even go to his page. Um, that's minorly humorous that his page is like completely broken. I've never run into that with anyone else, but apparently. But I can go to him striking out swinging on their page. That's what I can get to for him. Uh, man, that's that's some serious shade. So the Angels on paper make sense. They have a need. Uh, matches up with the Guardians. But there's really no good way to make that happen. We're going to take a, if you're a podcast listener, a quick commercial break. If you're a YouTube listener, it's going to be like a weird half second, and then we just dive back in. So another advantage for those who watch on YouTube. So there is something that stood out. A few other teams. Uh, this time more for a, a different need. The first one I want to talk about is the Florida Marlins. The Florida Marlins, there's, oh, my co-host wants to talk about 
Or no, well, my other co-host apparently, Miami Marlins, always be Florida. Okay, so the other co-host apparently wanted to talk about the Miami Marlins. And they there is some talk that they have been the team that has been the most aggressive in chasing Ramon Lariano, Lariano from Oakland because they need a legitimate center fielder. Right now, uh, they are projecting their center fielder to be uh, Jesus Sanchez. That's right. Who hasn't played that position since he's in the low minors. Uh, they have an interesting team in terms of lineup. Um, the question, I guess, comes down to, like, Garrett Cooper, Jesus Aguilar, is is one of them going to be the DH, one going to be the first baseman? When Garrett, I mean, I've talked about my love of Garrett Cooper. When he gets hurt, um, all of a sudden you have to move into the, the DH spot. Jorge Solar, who they just signed, like he's, uh, you put him out in that, outfield it's going to be it's going to be ugly but right now he is projecting to be an outfielder for them but they don't have a real center fielder and this is where we talk about Bradley Zimmer and this is where like he still has fans around the league and I hear about that that there are people who you know like the tool set and like what he presents defensively in center field and if you're the Marlins and you can't get Laureano but you still want a strong defensive center fielder with some interesting tools all of a sudden, there's Zimmer. Now, what's fun, I don't know if fun is the word, what's interesting about this Miami team is if you go look at that list, they don't have Joey Wendell listed as a starter over on the MLB page. And if you look over, he's not listed as a starter either on roster resources. Um, and they're already paying, you know, Wendell a decent one. John Ber- uh, Beretti got over a million dollars to be a backup player for them. I, I bring all of this up to basically be a long way of saying you trade for Joey Wendell and you give up a pretty decent asset to get him. Is Brian Anderson for sure your third baseman? Are you willing to consider trading Brian Anderson if you can get an upgrade in center field? And it was interesting to go look at Brian Anderson to realize he's under team control for two more years that even though it feels like he's been around for a while, and last year was far and away his worst year. You could project him to be the Indians starting right fielder for two years of team control. And, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. And again, this is if you are Florida, Florida, Miami, no, Florida. No, they're Miami now. Oof. <laughs> if you view him as a potential, if you view Wendell as your starter, and Anderson is like this kind of super utility role. Maybe that is a guy you're willing to trade, willing to move on from. And that's one of those players I definitely talk about. If it costs you more than Zimmer, like this is where you come back and offer some of those fringe guys, right? This is where you try to do a two or three for one. Uh, in terms of Anderson, he didn't play enough last year to to build up a lot of great savant data. But last year is the only year he's had below a 100 WRC in his career. He has been a consistent above average league bat and you know with him being in the position that he is of not potentially having a starting role i mean it's worth at least calling right if miami doesn't want to pay the cost to get lariano but they already have an in-house option in wendell is there a way to make this deal work how would i propose it give me one second and i'd probably try to make it something around the lines of like zimmer plus an arm uh, you know, we when I discussed possible trades with them, 
uh, before, and I was more focused on, you know, Garrett Cooper's and the like. It was it talking about Karen Chalk potentially uh, if the valuation was low and them needing relief arms. Th- that's one of the things I would look at. And then the other team that stood out for a big need in center field to me was the Philadelphia Phillies. Now, they went out and added Castellanos to be the DH. They went out and added Kyle Schwarber to, I guess, play left field and just say forget about defense. Matt Verling is currently slotted to be their center fielder. And I will say this, I believe I was the highest ranked on Matt Verling ever. Um, Back when I was at Scout, I ranked him as the 10th best rated prospect in Philadelphia's system. I liked the numbers and I just liked what he had done um, so far. I liked him before he got to Notre Dame. And, you know, I've talked about my issues with Notre Dame's. He's one of those guys who was in at Notre Dame when they could not, when they were doing negative player development, it felt like. Um, he is a really unproven guy. Not a lot of reps. They need a legitimate center fielder one things with that lineup. So the question then becomes, like, what could the Guardians even hope to get out of them? Like, looking at that roster... Like, what could make sense going the other way? You know, maybe you could talk about it. But here's the elephant in the room. If they're running with Verling out there, that means that Adam Heasley, who was a you know top 10 overall pick, and Mickey Moniak, who were both center fielders, couldn't get that job done. So just looking at their you know their prospect list, it's, it's not great either. I mean, Verling is probably one of their five best prospects. I'm not sure I really you know, who I think can really step forward. The one guy I think the organization would probably like is uh, Logan O'Hop, who is the catcher who's does, you know, a lot of the little things, has a lot of the makeup stuff. They enjoy some projectability. I just don't think that uh, Philly would trade him. You know, he's moved aggressively through their system for Zimmer. Again, it's so hard to figure out a trade, but those are just two organizations. I can say Philly and Miami where a trade makes sense plain and simply if a trade is to come together that is where teams i could see and seattle still potentially are the three most likely places to see a a zimmer trade go and you know if you trade rosario you're making yourself weaker in the now so i expect any trade of that to actually net something that can help now that's not the case with zimmer you're not making yourself weaker now so at the same time if they were to flip him to miami maybe you get a competitive balance pick back uh, Philly doesn't have that option, but that might be you know an underrated uh, aspect of a, something you can trade Zimmer for and get a, a draft pick because those draft picks have never been too highly valued to begin with, and that is so far away from you know your four years uh, at the the low range of having to add that player to your forty man. It extends that window of thought. So honestly, that's I've said all along when you have this crunch trading for a draft pick. With this organization, how much they value them and how well they've done with them, it makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, totally think they should look into something like this. Over 30 minutes, again, sorry. I always think I don't have any show. I get all of my data together, and then I end up with a huge show. Uh, I think, again, I may not have (laughs) said who I was, uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I will definitely do that on Friday's show. I want to thank you all again for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. As I end every show now, go, go, Guardians, go.